Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. When we say something is unshakable, we mean that you just can't shake it. It cannot be moved. It means firm, steadfast. Now, last time we looked at some keys to unshakable faith. And we mentioned that we're living in time according to Hebrews chapter 12 when there's going to be shaking that goes on in the earth. And I think in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, a lot of things changing, a lot of shaking going on. And it says that in the last days that Anything that can be shaken will be shaken, which tells us there's some things that cannot be shaken. That's what we're talking about is unshakable. And last time we touched on unshakable faith, and I'm building on that this week as we talk about how to grow your faith, how to grow an uncommon faith. And honestly, that's what we all need. I mean, that's what we can have, and that's what we all need in our lives. I think we all could attest to that, couldn't we? Uh, It hurts when we've had our faith shaken, when we've been disappointed by someone that we had confidence in. Or sometimes people's faith in God's been shaken when uh, it didn't seem like their prayers were answered or when they were going through some type of real crisis in their life, sickness perhaps, and uh, it seemed like they were being bombarded in such a way that it's like, Lord, why? What? Why is this happening? And why can't I get victory over this? And what am I supposed to do? And I think we've all been in that position before. And so a lot of times people's faith is shaken in, their faith in God is shaken. Now, we basically could say that there is the common uh, or natural faith which we mentioned earlier that that's just basically because of repetition and because you know some some, uh, information about the laws of nature um, that you expect that when you go to bed tonight and you go to sleep that you expect that you'll wake up in the morning. That's a kind of faith. You expect the sun to come up. You'll expect to go and and get in your car and turn the ignition that it will start. There's a common faith, uh, a natural faith, but that's really not our focus. Our focus is on the supernatural uncommon faith. Remember we said that God designed us to live by faith. More than once the scripture says the just are to live by faith. Not visit but to live by faith. And the scripture says that we walk by faith and not by not by sight. Not by our feelings. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's the life that God has designed for you and I to live. Okay? That's where he wants us to live. And uh, don't, don't get down or anything this morning because you say, well, man, I don't really feel like I live that kind of life right now. I, I've been struggling with my faith. Okay, that's where you are now. Now let's start where we are and go in the right direction. Every one of us here in the building, that's, that's our aim. That's our goal. Faith is extremely important. 
Sometimes people have even been criticized, even preachers have been criticized because they talk too much about faith. I don't know why you talk so much about faith. Well, read the New Testament and you'll see that faith was a pretty important subject. In fact, you can't be saved without faith. And the scriptures, now it's not just your faith, it's faith in someone, it's faith in God. It's faith in what Jesus provided for us, of course. But remember the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, you remember? It says, without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how many good deeds we do. It doesn't matter how many points we earn. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can't please God apart from faith because sin separates us from Him before we come to Christ. And, and certainly, there's only one way to really live in a life that's pleasing to God, and that's to live it the way He planned for us to live, and that's a life of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoever comes to Him must believe that He is that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith. Smith Wigglesworth, who was a British evangelist back in the late 1800s and 1900s, a remarkable man if you've read any of his story. Uh, uh, evangelism and, and uh, meetings where there were tremendous healings and miracles. Uh, I read where he said that God would pass over a million people just to find someone who believes him. I'd like to be one of those. Well, I asked some simple questions this morning. We're going to walk through this together, okay? And we may have to move kind of fast, but I don't want us to, I don't want us to miss it. But I'm, I'm going to, everything's going to be very basic for us to walk through, okay? First of all, ask a question, what is faith? Let's go back to a little bit and build on last time we talked together, that we were together. So what is faith? First of all, understand that biblical faith is not just head knowledge. It's not just that you have certain information. It's not what we call mental assent. A lot of people walk in what we call intellectual faith. But intellectual faith will not save anyone. And it will not bring answers to your prayers. There are many people who have, their intellect tells them that God exists. And their intellect tells them that Jesus died on the cross. They've read about it in the scriptures. They know it in their mind. They know it. Churches have been filled with this. Many of us experienced before we personally came to Christ. We were brought up, we knew. We actually believed what the word of God, we believed that that really happened. We had that knowledge. But it has to go further than that. It can't just be mental knowledge, just knowing about something. We must know Him. It has to be a personal relationship. This is extreme. It's, it's, it's elementary, but it's extremely important. It's going from the head to the heart. We talk about faith. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing to have faith. Do you know the Scripture says, the Bible says in the book of James, it says, he says, you profess that you believe that you have faith. It's kind of like, I'm going to paraphrase it with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Smith translation going on here, okay. He says, you say you have faith, big deal. Even the demons believe. Even the demons believe. The, the demons acknowledged him, acknowledged the, the existence of him. 
faith. But we're talking about the faith that God gives. Number one, faith is a gift. Each one of us has been given the, the, the ability to believe. Apart from God's grace, we wouldn't even have the ability, the wherewithal in us, within us, to believe. Faith is a gift. Faith is a substance of things hoped for that's guaranteed to us. It's like a title deed. And it's the evidence of things that we cannot see or by physical senses. <laughs> Simply put, faith is to believe you have it before you have it. Faith that you receive it when you pray it and then you keep on believing until you have it. Okay? Faith is believing that God is going to take you places before you even get there. I know it sounds a little bit weird. You see, we're not to be moved by, uh, by what we feel, by what we see. We're, be, we're to be moved simply by what we believe. It's not this idea, oh yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. No, for the Christian is, I'll see it because I believe it. You believe and then you see. That's, not, that's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? I mean, quite frankly... That, that's a challenge. Now, faith is the avenue or the vehicle that is used in order for us to receive from God. We receive from God by faith. We believe what he says and we receive it by faith. Followed by thanksgiving and praise. Lord, I thank you that this is mine according to the promises of your word. I, I just praise you for this. I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to stay in obedience, Lord. I'm going to walk in love with your help. And I just believe, Lord, that it will, that, that it will be manifested. It will be manifested. Uh, and this is not living out in la-la land. This is not putting your head in the sand and denying that there, you're going through some tough times. This is simply saying, Lord, I believe you. I believe what you say. And thank God he encourages us and helps us even when we're kind of struggling with that. Now, we know that there, that, that a little bit about what faith is, and we know something about how faith, uh, we need to know about how faith works. And in the natural world, the physical world, uh, there are certain laws. There are laws that have been established by our Creator, right? I mean, the laws of motion, the law, for instance, the laws of, Gravity, the law of thermodynamics, the law. There are just there are certain laws that, that have, have been established by the Creator that work. They're laws. This is the way things function. Just as there are physical laws, there are spiritual laws. The kingdom of God, which is the realm where God leads, it is also heaven, the kingdom of heaven, that we will be with Him as believers. But the kingdom of God exists now. Through Jesus Christ, you and I live in his kingdom now. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other things will be added to us. Jesus said, when you pray, pray your kingdom. Uh, Lord, I pray that your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth now as it is being done in heaven. 
You see, the role of the Christian, the role of the church is to live out the Christ-like life and live according to the Word so that the kingdom of God is demonstrated and advanced here among us now. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. And this, is a, this is an aspect of the gospel that so many have, have missed or played down. But it's extremely for us, uh, important for us to see that there are supernatural laws that God's established. One of them is the, uh, the law of sowing and reaping or the, the law of reciprocity. Whatever you sow, that's true. Also, that just works. I mean, that works. It's a law. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter 3, uh, I think in uh, verse 27 in, in particular, it says that there is uh, the law of faith. It mentions the law of faith. It says, Paul's saying, you're not saved by your works or by keeping the Old Testament law. The only way that you were saved was through faith, the law of faith. God has established a law of faith that tells us that there are certain, there are certain principles that are to guide us in walking out the faith life. There are certain laws to learn in order to live out a life of faith. And we just need to learn them. We need to learn how to walk them out in our lives. Now, before anything else, we need to know that, that faith is a gift from the Lord, but that faith comes by hearing the Word. You cannot have the God kind of faith. You cannot have the kind of faith you are to have as a believer unless, first of all, you base it on the Word of God. You have to hear what He says. You have to know that this is what He said, and you've got faith that this is His Word to you. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The more we respond to him and allow his word to get in us, the more faith rises up in us. It may, first of all, establish hope, but then hope graduates into faith. Hope and faith are not identical in any way. I believe you have to have hope and know that something's possible before you can have faith to believe it's yours, right? So hope has to be there. So, but you can have hope and not have faith. You may just stop right there, and I hope it happens. I, I really want it to. That's what I wish. But that's, that's hope. The Bible says nothing about you will receive from God because you hope for it. It just isn't in there. You've got to go beyond the hope, which is, Lord, I've read, this, I've read this promise. This is what I'm praying about. This is what you desire in my life. And, and, and Lord, I thank you that within me now, I, I see hope rising up. But this is a possibility that I can begin, expectation can begin to grow in, within me. And as this hope begins to mature, it gives way to not only I, I, I desire, I expect this, it moves into faith which says, I have this. I have it. Can I see a nodding of heads or that or whatever? It, it, it's, it's, we've talked about this at different times, but it's just so... It's just so fundamentally important for us to see this is how faith works. And the devil will rub your nose and the world system will rub your nose in the dirt if you've gone through some struggles in your prayer life or if you prayed for things that didn't happen or if you're going through some things right now or if you're living in a situation and you're wanting the answers to it and you say, I know this is not God's perfect will, but it's not happening in my life right now. The devil will absolutely try to drag you down and get you discouraged and cut you off from hope because if he can... If he can keep you from hoping, he can keep you from believing. But if you don't let that hope die in you. I don't care if you've been going through this thing for months or years. Don't let that hope die. 
feed upon the word and let that hope grow until it becomes faith. And when you begin to exercise that faith, then you can believe that things are going to start unfolding. How long will it take? I don't know. That has a lot of variables there. But faith is faith. It's trusting God. Now, there are, there, there are different levels of faith. We'll have to see what level you're on this morning. What level do you think you're on on the level of faith? Um, we'll say, well, sometimes I've been on one level and sometimes I've been on another. That, that's true. Sometimes it kind of varies, doesn't it? kind of varies. A hundred people could hear the same thing and develop different levels of faith. It'd be according to how they're receiving it. It'd be according to what they're doing with it when they receive it. There's kind of the level, I don't necessarily put this as a, one of the numbers of the, uh, one of the, the things that I list as different levels of faith. I kind of put it, I, I think I'd like to put it in as a kind of an introduction to it that it seems as I, I pray about this and I think through it and I look at my own life that there, there, there is that faith that people have that I call varied faith or more or less. They have faith sometimes for some things. Isn't it true that it's easier for you to believe and trust God for some things more than it is for other things? Right? We sometimes want to pray and believe God for big old things. We can't even trust Him for the little things. You start, let's start. Okay, let's start somewhere and grow from there. But depending on the size of the problem, depending on uh, what we're up against, depending on past failures and experiences we've had, sometimes we, we, we seem that we can trust God's word and press on in and believe it and, and, and know that it's coming to pass. And other times we come up against some obstacles to where, oh, Lord, I, I just... I want to believe it's kind of like the man, you know, whose son was demon-possessed, kept throwing himself into the fire, and disciples tried to pray for him, didn't do any good, and Jesus came along and said, Lord, can you help him? Jesus said, I can, and he said, can you believe? I I can help him, but can you believe? Can you believe that? And he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of you have ever been visited that place before? Lord, I believe, help me, help me, help me not doubt, Lord. I I I believe, that's where I want to go, but help me so I don't doubt. And Jesus said those resounding words. He said, all things are possible if you believe. Now, I know that some people get a little bit out in left field on some things they teach, even even in the area of faith. But the truth is, that's in the Bible. I mean, we can tear it out if we want to, but it's still In his word where he says all things are possible if you only believe. Now was that only back when Jesus was on the earth that all things were possible? I don't know. I mean evidence from the scripture and history tells us that. Was it just while the disciples were alive and then when they died all the miracles are gone. No No need for that anymore. No absolutely that's ridiculous. The Bible's Word of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He promised, He will do. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives present in you. When the Scripture says, ask what you will, according according to His will, ask what you will and you'll receive. You know, I know sometimes when I I go through and I'm not making the progress that I want to in in my faith life, in my prayer life, and 
uh, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes you're prone to get a little bit frustrated for a little while. And then especially if you're the pastor, you feel kind of frustrated because, hey, Lord, you know, man, I'm not supposed to be going through this, but I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to already, you know, I already, I already know all this stuff. It, you know, hey, we all face these things. No different than you are. We deal with these things. And there are times when things happen that for a little while shake us up. I'm just saying don't stay there and don't let it drag you down or discourage you. Um, you remember John the Baptist? Great man. In fact, Jesus said there's never been a greater one on the face of the earth. Never one born of woman that was any greater than John. That's quite, that's quite a compliment coming from Jesus. Wouldn't you say? Well, you remember. Now, they, they were, as we say, they were kin. They were cousins. But, but you know, they were, they were not like, you know, they didn't visit each other regularly. They didn't know each other well. But here in the process there of John is preaching repentance, get ready for the kingdom. And Jesus approaches the river there. And he points, he's preaching there, he's been preaching to people to repent, and people are standing around, and he points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. In other words, that's the Messiah. What a bold statement. I mean, I think Jesus looked just about like everybody else around. That's him. But here's the fascinating thing, and I think some things we can relate to. Later on, John the Baptist faced the ruler there. And because he stood for what's morally right, and he criticized the ruler there for marrying his brother's wife. So, you know, it was a kind of a sordid affair there. But anyway, because he spoke the truth, it was demanded that he be executed, beheaded. While he was in prison before the execution, there must have been some type of way to communicate with the disciples. While, while, he was, while he was in prison, while he was going through these things, some of his followers, his disciples, went to Jesus. And here's what they said, Jesus, John sent us here. He wants, us, he wants to know, he wants us to ask you, are you really the one or are we still looking for someone else? The man who'd said, that's him. Now is in a place to where things are going on and he's struggling with some things. And, and, and he's saying, you know, I, I really, what happened here? What happened? Maybe I missed it. Maybe I messed up. And he's down so despondent. He thought things were going to turn out a different way than what they did. But he sent his disciples there to ask, are you the one or do we look for another? Jesus does not condemn them or John over that question. He gives a simple explanation. He says, you just go tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. You know, I'm so grateful that times when I've struggled and said, Lord, what's going on? That there have been times through the wonderful grace of God that he says, just look around you. Just look in my word and look around you. Look around you. Look at who I really am. Pay attention to what I've done. And he bolsters our, our confidence and faith during that time. I, I don't know about you, but I'm extremely thankful for that. So levels of faith, uh, 
There's a lot of different places I could go in this, but I'm, I'm going to skip one or two. And I'm going to go right. I'm going to go right straight to. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to pick on him, but but he kind of he kind of sets himself up in here and. Um, And that is, uh, that is actually uh, when the disciples were getting ready to, uh, Jesus had been ministering, teaching the word. Basically, he tells the disciples, Peter, who's usually the one who's, I don't want to say it unkindly, but he's usually one mouthing off, <laughs> getting himself in trouble. He just, he just responds before he thinks things through sometimes. But, but he... Uh, the, the teaching, the ministry's been going on there. They're, to, they're, they're at the shore side. And, and get this. Here's what, here's what Jesus tells the disciples to do. He says, get in the boat and go to the other side. Now, oftentimes when you hear something from the Word or God tells you to do something, you can expect that in the process of getting there, there's going to be a little testing time or an opportunity for you to use the faith. And believe what he said to you. When Jesus said go the other side. That was the son of God. That was the Messiah telling him. Go to the other side. He didn't say go out about halfway and sink. He didn't say go try to get to the other side. He said go. It was the will of God. For him to get to the other side. Faith is about finding out the will of God. And then trusting him. All the way through it. And that's what they were, and they're out there, you know, going across, and a storm comes up. These are familiar accounts, you know, but they're always fun to go back and look at because, I mean, it's true. And the storm comes up, and the waves begin to, to batter uh, against the ship, and, uh, <laughs> and they are so afraid. Peter's faith is being measured right here. It's kind of come up on the faith scale to see where he is right now, and and. And the storm comes up, they are scared, afraid they're going to sink, the disciples are running around. But Jesus is up in part of the ship there, and one version says he got his head on a cushion. In other words, he was taking a nap. And of course, their first response when they were just frightened, scared to death, they ran to get help from Jesus. After all, he's the one who told them to get on the boat to begin with. Probably in not only being frightened, but saying, Lord, why in the world did you tell me to do this? Somebody just heard something through that little word right there. But anyway, I love it. When they come running to him and, and he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? In other words, don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus responds, oh, you poor little thing. Everyone goes through some difficult times, and I know, and you just go through struggles in life, and, you know, it just happens to my followers sometimes. Just need to just stick it out the best way you can. No, he's very honest, and he's very abrupt, and he says, what does he say? I'll just say what he says here in Mark chapter 4. When he says, don't, care, don't you care that we perish? Jesus said, how is it? That you have no faith. How is it you have no faith? That's one level of faith. 
No faith. How you, where's your faith, Peter? I said we were going to the other side. And I think also some people are kind of, kind of get a little, uh, well, how should I say it? In understanding who Jesus was on the face of the earth, there's some, I think there's some misunderstandings along that line and, and probably some teaching that's in error there. But I honestly believe that the disciples, if they had walked in faith, that they could have stayed in faith and they could have spoken to the storm and it would have been stilled in his name. And we'll see another little case where that they probably can, can support that. But anyway, he had no faith. Then you go to Matthew chapter 14 and there I... They're out in the Sea of Galilee again, and here comes another storm. Now, this is not uncommon even today. I've been on the Sea of Galilee, been a number of years ago, and it can be perfectly clear and beautiful and just coming because of the way the mountains surround and everything. I mean, bang, just in a matter of a few minutes. I mean, it just can be rough out there. And so they're out there on the boat again. They run into a storm. You know, Jesus stayed behind this time. He sent them on out. And uh, here it's. On up in the day, it's on up in the night, and it's dark, and they begin to see something come across the water there. And it's, oh, it's a ghost. They're scared again. It's a ghost. But then they realize, Jesus said, oh, hey, guys, don't be afraid. It's just me. There's no reason for you to be really shocked, surprised. You're just seeing me walking across the water. What should be surprising about that? But anyway... It's just it's amazing when you read these things. Uh, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. In other words, be courageous. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then, of course, here we go with Peter. Lord, if it really is you, then bid me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come on. We criticized Peter, but he was the only one willing to put his leg over the boat and get out there and try. <laughs> he did. And uh, he said, come on. So he did. He got out, and he's on the water, and it's working. Faith is working. And then finally he said, whoa, this can't happen. This is impossible. This is impossible. I'm walking on water. This just doesn't, this just does not happen. So when he begins to look at the circumstances around him, instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, he begins to sink. And Jesus lovingly reaches and pulls him up because he cries out and says, Lord, help me, I'm, I'm dying. He says, Jesus lifted him up. And here's what he says. He says, Peter, you are of such little faith. Now, understand, he's progressing. He's gone from no faith <laughs> to little faith. Okay? So he's in the little faith category now. We see other, other situations in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6 where talking about how God takes care of us as God clothes the lilies or the grass of the field, then he'll, he'll take care of you. How much more will he take care of you? Oh, you of little faith, he says. If we're worried about things in our life and material things and worried about, uh, uh, you know, all, all these aspects of life that people can get just so, so uh, fretful about, 
Instead of just trusting God to show them what to do and working through situations so that all their needs are supplied, they'll start wringing their hands and they're worried about it. And he says, look, God, look at the creation of God. Look what he does. And he loves you a whole lot more than that. Oh, why is your faith so small? It happened, uh, it happened again. <laughs> the little faith idea happened again where... Um, the multitudes were out there, literally thousands of men, women, and children on the bank, on the hillside out from Sea of Galilee there. And Jesus has been teaching and preaching all through this time. They have come from their surrounding villages and everything. They have stayed all day long. It's about to get dark. You remember the count. It's about to get dark. And disciples come along and they come, Jesus, 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 you know, they've been here all day. And it's about to get dark. And they're hungry. What, you, do we just need to send them on home? What do we need to do? And I'm going to paraphrase it, but if you go back and look at this, Jesus says, you take care of it. <laughs> what do you think he meant? You take care of it. He was calling on them, giving them an opportunity to believe him and trust him that he was the provision and that miracles could happen even in their presence. He says, let me put it the way he says it there. He says, um, they say, you, we have no bread to feed the multitude. And Jesus says, oh, your faith is so little. Hey, I would have probably felt the same way as disciples. There was no way logically or realistically that there was any answer to the problem. But Jesus wanted them to step over into a place to where they could believe and trust him no matter what the situation was. And he followed through. Even though their faith was little, he demonstrated himself. And they were miraculously fed. Thousands of them were. So, so there's no faith, little faith. And then finally there's great faith. There's, here's, here's, where, here's where you and I belong. Great faith. I'll call it uncommon faith. I'll give you... One of the best examples in the Bible is found in Matthew chapter 8, verse, uh, primarily verse 8 through 10. It says, um, here's, the, here's the account that a Roman soldier or centurion, in other words, he was, a, an, he was an officer over 100 other, other men in the military. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, Lord, my young servant is in bed. He's paralyzed, terrible pain. He just tells him his need. You know what Jesus' response is? I, I, I love it. He said, he's, he's paralyzed. He's really in need. He needs healing. Jesus says, I will come and heal him. But this is even more amazing. Verse 8. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you even come into my house. I mean, he's a Gentile. He's a Roman. He's, I'm not, you're, I'm not really worthy to have you come into my house. He says, just speak or just say the word right now from where you are and my servant will be healed. He says, I, I understand this. I believe this because I'm under the authority of someone and I have those who are under my authority. And he, what, what, listen, what he's saying here is he understands authority. 
You get that? And what he's really saying here is I understand that there's authority in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the word. If you don't get anything out of that, out of that, circ, that situation, that, that account in scripture, you, you need to get the fact that the reason he was able to believe that it was his is because he entirely trusted and believed in the authority of the one that he came to. He believed Jesus had the authority to heal. So he says, if you're to speak it, then it will be done. Wow. It says that when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And here's what he says. And you have to understand his disciples were probably around close by, and there were probably some religious leaders standing within the earshot where they could hear. And to the religious leaders who should have believed, who should have known this was the Messiah, these ought to have been the guys of faith. The religious crowd should have been the guys of faith, and they were anything but that. And the disciples were with him every day, and they had no faith in little faith. And here's this Roman centurion, this soldier that comes in and says, you just say it, and it'll be done. And Jesus, it says, Jesus is amazed. He says, because I have not seen such great faith even in Israel. What a compliment. What a testimony. Something Man, that's where we want to be. I mean, we want to take the limits off God. God's all, I mean, God's all powerful. He can do anything he wants to. He will never do anything apart from his character and apart from his word. He doesn't do stupid stuff. He does what he says he will do. It's important for us. And, and so we already know from Scripture that people can limit God. They limit God by their disobedience. He can't do what he wants to do in their life. They limit God because they're unbelief. They won't trust him. They limit God from doing what he really wants to do. What a crying shame. How sad. We've probably all done that. But he wants us to live in a place, not a place of no faith or little faith, but in a place of great faith where there's no limits on what God can do. When I think about no limits, I think about speed limits. Anybody ever been in, in Germany on the Autobahn there, that, which is amazing, where, I mean, there's no speed limit. You can drive as fast as you want to. Actually, in northern Australia, in northern territory, you can do the same thing. And I found out that on the Isle of Man, which is a small island off of, off of uh, uh, Ireland, that there's no speed limits at all. Now, you can't go so far on a little island. I understand that. <laughs> but... But, in fact, that island's been called the road racing capital of the world. Well, what about the United States? Well, it varies according to where you are, of course. They have a ridiculous 45-mile-an-hour speed limit between here and Jacksonville in some places. I can attest to that. <laughs> some rest of you can, too. And then uh, holdouts. Holdouts in, in the United States. I, I, I found out that Montana and Nevada were the last two states to hold out that had, they, they lasted longer than anybody else. They had no speed limit. Of course, finally they came under the federal government thing. And, and it's probably a good thing, but uh, they held out for a long time. Here's what I want to say. These vehicles had no, no speed limit. God has given you and me a vehicle called the Word to go beyond the natural to the supernatural. And take the limits off of what God wants to do. Great faith 
is faith in God's word without constant, without the constant need of confirmation or a need of feelings. Uh, hear me, hear that. Great faith is when you have uh, when you have confidence in His word, and it doesn't have to be bolstered by continual confirmation or seeing things change before you. So how does faith grow? I'll close out with this. How does faith grow? You see, growth has, faith is at different levels, so we could say it has different stages of growth. You've got to start somewhere. Every person is given the measure of faith. But then we have to see, where am I right now? Am I a person that would be classified most of the time as no faith? I really don't trust God, or is it a little faith? I can't, you know, it's kind of weak. Or am I a person that can learn to walk according to his word and be that unlimited, that uncommon faith, great faith? And, and, and I'm, I'm sharing this this morning let me just say this. This is as much a challenge and a word of encouragement to me as it is to anybody in this room. I'll also say that this is something I really, 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 really need and I want in my life. And it's just out there. It's available to us, but it just doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come. So how does faith grow? First of all, we need to know that the Word of God is seed. We know many of you plant gardens or been, you know, farms, whatever. So you, you plant seed. Now, unlike one of the Democratic candidates that says this doesn't take anything to grow, <laughs> you just dig a hole, throw a seed in there, and poof, water it, there it comes. We know that that's not true, which is basically the story of that whole crowd. This is not true. But... Subtle. <laughs> the point is, is that you put a seed in the ground, and in that seed there is, the, there is actually life within that seed. And so the Word itself, the Bible, the Scriptures are seeds, so it, there's life in the Word. The Bible says that God's Word is, is, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it is living. It's a living Word, living there's something in the Word itself that when you plant it down inside of you, it begins to grow. It begins to develop things in your life. <clears throat> it's seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, For you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, not subject to decay, but you've been born of incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God that lives and abides forever. The Word of God is a living Word. I mean, it's, in, it's on pages, black and white. Some of it read, you know, but, but you're reading the Scripture. It's a written Word, but it's a Word that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit. It is a Word without error when properly understood. It is a Word that is alive and that it works. It, wor it works because He's alive and He works through His Word. That's the way He's chosen to work in our lives. So He's given us the Word, which is the seed, and it has to be sown in faith. So let's say I've got the Word of God, which is seed. Read the parables of Jesus over and over again. He says the kingdom of God is like this. You just go out and sow seed, okay? And he, he tells a lot of different things about that. <clears throat> so let me put it this way. If the Word is seed, then faith is what activates that seed in your life, okay? Believing it, faith is what activates the seed of the Word of God in your life. <clears throat> let me hit, hit a very important, this is, this is, we talk about growing faith. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is like a man 
who throws seed on the ground. And he goes to bed at night and he gets up every morning and in the meantime, the seed sprouts and grows. How it does this, he doesn't know. There's a mystery in it, even if you understand some of the, some of the scientific part of this. There's a mystery of that life in the seed. He says, the earth produces crops by itself. How? Because it's the life in the seed that's doing the producing. Verse 26, the earth produces crops by itself. First, the blade, then the head of, or of the grain, then the grain or uh, it's, it's the blade, it's the leaf, it's the, the head of the grain, the, the final product there before it's harvested. But when the crop ripens, he immediately puts in the sickle to reap because the time for harvest has come. In other words, just as you sow a seed and the plant comes up as a small sprout, it grows up in a little stalk and then there are leaves that come out and then finally there, there's, the, uh, uh, there's the harvest, there's the fruit that's on there that matures. He says faith is like that. You've got to start somewhere with a seed that's sown and then as you do something about that faith that's already in you, it will begin to grow until it finally produces. The word harvest in the scripture has reference to something that is produced. So if faith is going to produce anything in our life, it has to be planted, the Word of God planted, and as it's planted, we nurture it through prayer. We nurture it and water it through the prayer, through adding the Word in, in our lives, reading the Word, uh, through living out a life in direction of the Holy Spirit. And as we grow, that Word matures, that, that seed matures, produces in us until faith begins to grow and develop until it finally brings the harvest. Some people pray and say, I believe God, and they expect the plant to come up and be ready to harvest immediately. It takes time. Most of the time it takes time. When you prayed, you're looking to God, you're, you're exercising your faith, and you just want that plant to come up and be immediately like you prayed. It doesn't normally happen that way because it's like a seed, and it happens in stages. Okay, so faith must grow. It takes time. It sometimes just takes time more than what we really want to wait. So, and we get this idea of, of the word and, and faith being seed. Uh, there's two or three references in here, and I don't have time to go into them, but you remember when there were some obstacles there, the disciples were facing, and Jesus talks about faith to the disciples. And in one case, he says this. He says, if you had, and here's what, in most of your, in most of your uh, versions of the scripture that you have, uh, it says, uh, Jesus said, let me tell you this. If you had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and it would. Then they were facing another obstacle, and he came and said, you know, if you had faith the size of the grain of mustard seed, you could say to that mulberry tree, be plucked up, removed, and it would. And we looked at it and said, wow. They're a little bitty. One of the smallest seeds around. There are smaller. It's not the smallest. One of the small seeds, a mustard seed. If I had faith just this size. There's something interesting there. If you go back to the original Greek here and you read these passages, the word size is not in there. The word size was added later. The scripture actually from the Greek says, if you had faith as a mustard seed. Now that's a little different. 
So what's he trying to say here? When he says, if you've got faith like a mustard seed, why did he use that? Why did he say mustard seed? Because it is a living seed. In that seed, there's a life-giving force. He says, you must have a faith that is life-giving. You must have the Word of God, which is life-giving. You've got to plant life-giving seed in your life. Faith has got to grow from a plant. Hey, look, mustard seeds start out small, but they, they grew to trees 20 foot higher and larger. Our faith is never supposed to remain the same size, folks. So how do you develop that uncommon faith? Here we go. One, feed your faith. You've got to feed your faith and starve your doubts. I don't know about you, but I like to eat every day. In fact, I like to eat more than once. In fact, I like to eat more than twice. Nobody needs to say, oh, we know, Pastor, we know. If some people treated their physical diet and eating food like they treat their spiritual diet, they'd be starving to death right now. Some people never, ever, ever, ever partake of the food that God offers through his word, the spiritual diet. Let's say you decide just to eat once a week on Sunday morning. Some people do, spiritually. So we've got to feed it, though, daily. Psalm 119, says, How sweet are your words. They're, like, they're sweeter than honey in my mouth. Jeremiah 15, 6 says, When your words came to me, Lord, I devoured them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. So feed the word. How do you feed on the word, Pastor? Well, you've got to read it. You've got to learn the word. Take some time with it. Secondly, go into meditating on the word, which means focusing on it, thinking about it, immersing yourself in it. Thirdly, then just apply it. Do what it says. Here's an extremely important statement. And I know I'm hitting a lot of things this morning, but this is so very crucial for us as believers. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You cannot have faith in his word if you do not know what the word says. Does that make sense? Our responsibility is to go get in the word and find out what God says about a situation. And then say, well, Lord, that's what you say about a situation. That's the final word on it. Don't wait to a crisis. Don't just kind of eat once or twice a week spiritually. Don't, don't just kind of take things for granted. Then you get hit with something really big, a big need or a big challenge of some sort or even an attack physically on you. And you get hit with that and it kind of, it, it kind of moves you for a while because you're not ready. Because your faith hasn't been growing. Because you haven't been storing that word in you that applies to those situations. So suddenly, you're hit with that situation. You've got to try to play catch up. Man, Lord, help me, help me, help me. Well, thank God for his grace. He will help us. But if we'll stay with this day in and day out, then when the crisis come, comes, we are ready for the crisis. I know from personal experience, and most of you do, what it is to be caught off guard 
some things come against you and you're caught off guard and you really have not been in the Word and you really are not strong in your faith at that point and you waver in it and fear gets inside of you. I know what that's like. And God doesn't want you. He doesn't want me to live there. So understand, your faith, you can't even have faith until you know what the will of God is. You can't be saved until you know that the Bible says you need to be saved and this is how you get saved, Right? You can't be healed unless you know that the Bible says that God's will is for you to be healed. You've can't. You, you got to know what he says first for it to be real faith. You can say, I really hope I'll get well. But you've got to know the will of God in a situation before you can pray in faith. All right. So feed your faith. Second, exercise your faith. That's pretty self-explanatory. Explanatory. We've got, uh, we've got to back it up with our actions, what we believe. Faith without works is dead. So let's begin to put, it work in, put faith at work in our daily lives. And finally, so very important, just learn to speak your faith. Talk it. This is not around, this is not some type of religious jargon that you're going around and, and preaching at people. It, 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 it's, it's recognizing that the Bible talks about the power of words. And there are power, there's power in our words, folks. You can undo things. <laughs> you can pray and get up from your prayer. And undo that prayer with one sentence. That's doubt. That's fear. Faith remains constant. If you get hit, knocked back, you jump right back in. Get the word inside of you and walk. So learn to speak faith. Learn to speak it. Before we go, let me give you one verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. This is Paul sharing with the church. He's sharing with believers now. And here's what he says. He says, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren. Now, there were times when Paul's letters to churches didn't sound that great. There's some churches that really got out of line, and he was pretty blunt with them to point out some things that needed to change. But this is one, this is good news here. He's writing a letter to them, and he says, well, we just thank God for all of you, because this is fitting, this is proper. Here's what he says about them. Now, listen to what he says about them. He says, because your faith grows exceedingly. He says, we're so thankful for you, proud of you, because here's what we see. Now, there's a reason why he could say this. There was evidence. There was something going on where he could see that they had strong faith. When you've got strong faith, there will be evidence in your life. There'll be evidence in, in what happens in your life, be evidence in your family. There'll be evidence. And this was what was going on. He said, we, we see your faith your faith in the gospel, your faith in what God's word says. He says, your faith grows exceedingly. Uh, basically, that means your faith grows phenomenally. Phenomenally. It is flourishing. And your, and your love for one another is growing also. He says, your faith is growing exceedingly. And he says, your love for one another is growing. It goes together. Because there's one little thing I didn't put in this lesson on faith, and we're going to move into something a little different in, in Unshakable next week. I just wanted us to just nail this down today. And that is that the Bible teaches in Galatians that faith works through love or faith works by love. If we've got strife, resentment, anger, unforgiveness inside of us, it short circuits any attempt to walk in faith. You cannot walk in faith and strife at the same time. Does not, it can't happen. It can't happen. <laughs> it can't happen. It short circuits faith. So what's the best thing for us to do? Say, Lord, man, man, what's going on here? And this, this strife or these unforgiveness, you think, man, it's not worth it, Lord. 
You forgave me. I need to forgive them. I don't need this kind of thing living inside of me. I want to walk in your peace and in your joy. And because of that, Lord, then I know that I can walk the life of faith. Learn to live a life of uncommon faith. But it's got to grow. Start where you are today and learn to build it up and see it develop. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand and pray. Come on, give a good praise offering to the Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. Yeah. Amen. I, I, we won't, I, want to, I want to ask the whole worship team to come forward to the end. I, I just want us to pray together. Father, we, we know that when we hear a word like this, it just, it just really challenges us. And sometimes our, we kind of go back and we begin to look at, Lord, I just come, I'm, I really come up so short with this. I, I have not had the faith that I need. I've not allowed you to work in my life for that faith to develop. I just want to tell you, folks, no way does the Lord want you to get over in, number one, self-pity. <laughs> and number two, he doesn't want you to get over into condemnation over that. When he reveals things to us, he doesn't reveal those things to us so that he can push us down. He reveals those things to us so he can lift us up. Okay? So if you've been challenged by some things this morning, I just want to encourage you that his word this morning is just simply to lift you up and encourage you to start where you are. If you need to repent, Lord, I'm sorry. I really, I really, really, really have not walked this life of faith you've called me to. I'm sorry for those failures, Lord. Forgive me for not representing you well. I'm sorry. Then I, if you mean that from your heart, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. It's done. Right then, you're forgiven. But don't stay there. Move forward. Lord, help me now to begin investing time to allow your word to be planted inside of me. And the life that's in that word Lord, begin to develop faith in me, and as that faith is sown into situations, things begin to change in my life and the lives around me. Lord, that's really what we want. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we need. So, Lord, I pray over each one in this building. I pray over their families. I pray, Lord, that the word that, that has gone forth this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit has taken specific things and spoken to individuals about specific situations in their lives, and that, Lord, each one of us will take that now and just simply say, yes, Lord, I hear you. I submit, I surrender this to you. And by your grace and help, Lord, now I'm going to learn to live the overcoming life that you've called me to live. Not average, but exceedingly great in your name. And I want to thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name. Do you agree? Amen. Amen.